Возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение пред Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим обетование, относящееся к предверию нашей надежды, да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Склоним наши головы в молитве. Дорогой Небесный Отец, во имя Иисуса Христа, мы благодарны имени Твоему Святому за вновь представленную привилегию быть на месте всем, которое очертила десница Твоя для поклонения Святому имени Твоему. И ныне позволь наследию Твоему во имя крови завета подняться на вершины для нас недосягаемые и сокрушить всякое бремя и запинающий нас грех. Да будут прокляты в этом служении, как и прежде, все дела дьявола, болезни, нищета, преждевременная смерть, демоническая зависимость, всевозможные страхи, депрессии, разрушение, косность, невежество – все это да отступит от шатров святого народа Твоего. И ныне встань, Господи, на место покоя Твоего Ты и ковчег могущества Твоего, и да облекутся святые Твои спасением Твоим, и да возрадуются пред лицом Твоим. Дай нам больше от Духа Твоего, пропитай нас Духом Твоим Святым, позволь нам найти светлое лицо Твое. Я представляю это служение в Твои божественные руки, веди его рукою превознесенную, великий Бог, Отец и Дух Святой. Аминь. Да благословит вас Господь, можете садиться. Вам рука 
Psalms chapter 78, verses 17 to 31. But they sinned even more against him by rebelling against the Most High in the wilderness, and they tested God in their heart by asking for food of their fancy. And God heard them. The wrath of God came against them and slew the stoutest of them and struck down the choice men of Israel. He also rained me on them like the dust, feathered fowl like the sand of the seas, and he let them fall in their midst of their camp, all around their dwellings. So they ate and were all filled, for he gave them their own desire. They were not deprived of their craving, but while their food was still in their mouths, the wrath of God came against them. The sin of Israel is in the wilderness, which was called to become the place of sanctification for them. But they had ignited God's anger because they, this was expressed in their own desires, which they favored against the desires of God. Sanctification is always tied to the fact that a person rejects his desires for the desires of God. Despite the fact that his desires might not be sinful, but as soon as they become greater than the desires of God, they immediately turn into less. And so, once again, less one hour sinful and when our non-sinful and our lawful desires in relation to the desires of God on our priority scale take primary position, then they are immediately transformed into sinful desires. I have met, truly met people who have been blessed with earthly riches. They wanted this, they used this, and God had given this to them. And then I saw and very quickly, the end of these people. People departed from God. People became completely different. Their character was, was changed. God was, was secondary. And then they had completely forgotten of Him, about Him. For our lawful desires, which in itself are the promises of God to not transform into lust that challenge God and, and cause His anger, but to serve as blessings for us, that is written, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and He adds no sorrow with it. Proverbs 10.22 Then for the fulfillment of His promise, God has established one unchanging rule. 
or rather, one foundational commandment that is expressed in honoring God and offering Him, tithes and offerings. According to Scripture, tithes are always first fruits and offerings. So first fruits meaning they're the first, they're reigning commanding, which means that, that the first out of which we gain and what becomes out, what becomes ours must be hallowed unto God. Ezekiel chapter 44, verse 30. The best of all first fruits of any kind and every sacrifice of any kind from all your sacrifice shall be the priest. Also, you shall give the priest the first of your ground meal to cause a blessing to rest on your house. So people on one end, they want blessings. On the other end, they're not ready to fulfill the requirements of God in order for this blessing to dwell upon them. Especially in those churches where there exist special committees that deal with where the gathered money will go. The pastor has no access or relationship to them. He receives his uh, his income and then a specific committee directs where the money goes to whom, how much and so forth this is a great evil in the face of the Lord because they must be given to the priest for his complete control and he must direct them there where God directs to and to direct them in such a way so that to nobody would know because our offerings in order for them to do for for the blessing to dwell and are under a house they must die if the seed does not die you will not receive anything from it if the pastor will account at the end of the year how much was gathered where it went to whom and how you lose your blessing. You are led into a forbidden zone. This is what is hallowed unto God, what belongs to God. And God does not want somebody to enter there except for his priests who represent his interests. As the tree of knowledge of good and evil, this is holy and hallowed unto God. It is written, do not look there, do not come near to it, because what the devil do? First, he focused man's attention on it. He said, look, why don't even you even want to look there? For this is lustful, gives, it gives knowledge, and it's, it tastes good. Why can God eat of it? But you can't. People didn't know, or they didn't know that this is the tree out of which uh, God ate. This was God's food. God himself had planted this tree, tree and he allowed them to eat of one tree and not the other. And we know that priests were called to eat of this. Their food was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because the priests became only those people who had eaten of the tree of life. They were already spiritual. God had prepared the food that he eats on his own for his children who will come to the full measure of the stature of Christ. Of course, in the literal sense of the word, here on earth this, this does not mean that we must draw near to um, tithes when we become spiritual, meaning take it. He will allow us to penetrate his, his holiness in our spirit, which will make us unbelievably blessed. Because what is holy unto God are not the tithes that we give, but we ourselves. 
We first and foremost are tithes. If we are tithes, then offering our tithes, we affirm that we are God's belonging. If we refuse to honor God in tithes and offerings, in doing so, we refuse to acknowledge that we are God's belonging. And if we say, I am your belonging, you are my God, but at the same time, we say, no, I'll only voluntarily offer, as if tithes are not a voluntary voluntary offering. It's, inter it's interesting, man has tried to define this. Uh, voluntary offerings are one thing and tithes are one thing. No, they're inseparable. Tithes are voluntary offerings that are give. God loves the cheerful giver. But when you give something to God, God always has his order. There's no chaos there. Today, this much, tomorrow, this much. Where I give, I, I will give. Where I want to give, there I will give. God has an order for the rich and the poor. Tithes. One pastor tells me, is it okay that I said the poor shouldn't don't need to give tithes, but those who work in good jobs, they do? I said, well, are, you, are you crazy? Of course, the poor need to. How is God then going to bless these poor? How is he going to bless them? Because he will bless these poor only when they honor him, honor him on tithes and offerings. And only then, the blessing will dwell on their house. He grew scared. He bowed his head and said, Please pray for me and take this sin away from me. Well, don't do foolish things. Study scripture that this is hallowed unto God. And when you honor God in doing so, you affirm that you are holy unto God. God, and during these end days, He is intense to bless the church in, in remarkable ways. And as I have said, according to Scripture, when the people of Israel had left Egypt, it's written that they had taken things away from us. So when in our body will be destroyed the power of death, we will exit out of this Egypt, the Egypt of our body, and in our body will be, will be raised up the power of life. People will be made so wise that they are going to have such great knowledge that all of, what I mean, all of the material goods of this world will come to them, they will become head of them. And why did God give this to Israel? In order to build a tabernacle in the wilderness. And as I have said, this is going to be true evangelism. This is going to be true light to the world that is going to bring the world to horror. The religious world will be in panic. Many of them in this time will die. They will be destroyed. The kings of the world will be astonished because nobody has ever told them of this. How, how do these people, never having been taught, have such great wisdom and knowledge of business? Where to direct money, how to direct it? God will specifically do this before redemption, the redemption of our bodies. Those who affirmed that they are holy unto the Lord by honoring God in tithes. We are going to honor God right now in tithes and offerings and sing a song together. I love your home, O Lord. And let us stand and remember that each time we honor God with tithes and offerings, we open a free entrance into the tabernacle. 
Our worship is impossible without offering to God of tithes. Do not come before my face with empty hands, he says, and therefore each time we honor God with tithes and offerings, we acknowledge his authority over us and we express his love. And therefore, let us sing together. And each time when Israel had honored God in tithes and offerings, either in the tabernacle of Moses or the temple of Solomon, he was called to according to the words of Moses that he had received as a revelation from God to raise his hands over his offerings and to proclaim one unique proclamation that they were faithful to for thousands of years, we being that same Israel tied to that same tree, tied to the same root, will do the same thing. Please raise your right hands, a symbol of your righteous act, over your offerings, and pray along with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I have separated the tithes from my home and brought them into your home so that your home may have food. I do not give in purely. I do not give in sorrow. And I do not give for the dead. I rejoice that I have the privilege to express my love and to acknowledge your authority. And according to your word, I ask you right now, May your heavenly windows be opened and may your blessings come down abundantly upon your redeemed nation. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen, amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Слова, 
And so those who have a Bible, you can open along with me a familiar place of scripture to us. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see, and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. Return to the ancient path of goodness. There is rest, and not the law of Moses or anything else could bring rest to man, despite the fact that the people of Israel for thousands of years had fulfilled the Sabbath, or rather God's rest. They didn't fully enter into this rest because God turned their attention through prophets, turned to the ancient path of goodness. They were supposed to study and go to what was before the law. How do people live and find God's rest? And we together, to look at the foundation of our study of the ancient path of goodness, turn to the words of Apostle Paul, who by the mercy and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in short, a concise definition, present in the teaching of Christ, was able to formulate the contents of the order present in the teaching of Christ. In studying this place of scripture, we decided to use a more perfect and closer to the truth version of this translation. Hebrews 6, 1-2 Therefore, sprinkling ourselves with the reigning teachings of Christ and having been clothed in the armor of light contained in the reigning of this teaching, let us go on to perfection and build ourselves into the house of God, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and the faith toward God of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Each of the four teachings possesses in itself a triplicity of various functions that determine the unearthly order of the kingdom of heaven and determine in their totality the role of the twelve teachings of Christ who came in the flesh. In a certain format, as far as God and the measure of our faith have allowed us, we have already examined the first three teachings 
We turn to sing the mystery, the triplicity that lays at the foundation of the structure of eternal judgment, the image of which in Scripture is presented in the Eastern Army of Israel that is comprised of three tribes, the head of which is the tribe of Judah, as well as the eastern side of heavenly Jerusalem that is comprised of three gates. And so, the doctrine of eternal judgment just as in the other three teachings, contains in itself three levels of the will of God. This is the good will, acceptable will, and perfect will. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable perfect will of God. In their union, the functions of the three levels of the will of God are yielded in Scripture as the creation of righteousness in the works of justice and the creation of sanctification in the works of holiness. And on each level will be its level of righteousness and its level of sanctification. He who is just, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he who is holy, let him be holy still. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. Revelation chapter 22, verse 11 through 12. Only upon the union of the creation of righteousness and the creation of sanctification, which are two different things, can these two actions present in one another and for one another the legal platform for their legal expression. And only in this union can they represent the doctrine of eternal judgment. Acknowledging the will of God is a sacred mystery that is found beyond the limits of our rational abilities that are called to occur between God and man and man and God in the dimension of the Spirit through the mutual act in which God and man unite as one and become one Spirit. First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 15 through 17. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Fulfilling the will of God in the creation of righteousness and sanctification is practically an expression of our love toward God. The doctrine of eternal judgment in the good, acceptable, perfect will is the triumphant accord in the reigning teaching of Jesus Christ. In a certain format together in the doctrine of eternal judgment, which contains in itself three levels of the will of God, have already looked at the first level in the powers of the good will, and we have stopped to study the next level expressing the powers of the acceptable will. On the wall of heavenly Jerusalem, comprised of twelve precious stones, the doctrine of eternal judgment expressed in the level of the acceptable will is made of the precious jacinth stone. Revelation 21, verse 20. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The eleventh foundation, Jason. The image of each of the precious stones on the twelve foundations of the walls of the heavenly Jerusalem is an image of a certain component that yields the character of a good heart, a good conscience, 
cleansed from dead works. From which we can conclude that when God builds a relationship with a person through the powers contained in his acceptable will, then he will turn to a person with the voice of the hidden mystery of Jason, which in this foundation will present the name of the Apostle Simon Canaanite. Matthew chapter 10, verses 2 and 4. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. The eleventh, Simon the Canaanite. We've already noted that it is the name of the Apostle engraved on each of the twelve foundations of the walls of heavenly Jerusalem that yields and characterizes this foundation. And in this case, the powers that are contained in, this, in the name Simon the Canaanite unveil in this foundation the character and purpose of the acceptable will of God. Without acknowledgement and a cooperation with which it is impossible to please God, because the word acceptable comes from the root to please. To please means to do such works that could please God and turn his favor upon us. The name Simon on the foundation of the acceptable means to hear, whereas his nickname Canaanite means zealot. Together, the name Simon the Canaanite, yielding the eleventh foundation of the wall of heavenly Jerusalem, which we, in order to please God, are called to build in our heart out of the precious chastened stone, and thus please God, means vesting with the ability to hear in our heart the voice of the Holy Spirit, and clothing in garments of zeal in order to immediately please God. Only in such a way do these two marvelous characteristics lead us into the level of the acceptable will and make us partakers of its powers. In a certain format, we have already studied the powers that are tied to the dignity in the name Simon the Canaanite, engraved on the eleventh foundation of the wall of heavenly Jerusalem. And so let us turn to the characteristics and purposes that are contained in the powers of the acceptable will with which we are called to cooperate so that we can please God. And if in the goodwill through its powers expressed and who God is for us and what God has done for us, we gained righteousness by faith in Christ Jesus and became holy by factor of our birth from the seed of the word of truth, thanks to which we were separated from dependence on the world, and the world in turn lost its, its influence and reign on us, that in the powers of the acceptable will, we, in an answer to what God has done for us, receive the ability and the power of the acceptable will to practice righteousness and the works of justice and hallow God in holy deeds. And thus, be clothed in power in order to daily abolish in our essence the authority of the old man so that we could rule over him. Pay attention. To abolish means not to destroy. It means to to delimit from from reigning. There are three different versions. What kind of functions are contained in the good, acceptable, and perfect will? Out of the, of the people of Israel, it says all of them were baptized in the fire, in the cloud, and in the sea. When they were clothed, when they were baptized, they were freed. What were they freed from? They were freed from that judgment that came upon Egypt in the face of the firstborn. So practically, this was victory over the world 
world. The world did not have any more influence over them, and they did not depend on the world anymore. Then, it's written in the cloud. What did the cloud do, baptism in the cloud? Did it destroy the Egyptians? No, the Egyptians had one after the Israelites, but the cloud did not let them to come near them. They heard screams and they were scared of this. Just as we will be scared from, of our old man, but it is in the acceptable will that is we abolished it. You hear him, but he can't touch you anymore. He excites these lusts, but they don't work. And only, as we will say, only in the perfect will of God, where the army of Pharaoh will be cast into sea, this old nature first it is abolished, and then, as a factory, it is destroyed. You know that there exists, there are factories that create airplanes, tanks, weapons, you can destroy airplanes in your are happy, this is sin. But the va factory remains that once again produces this airplane or produces the weapon and therefore in the perfect will the factory itself will be destroyed, the factory. And therefore people will say, what will be in the uh, acceptable will? How will it be, how will it be uh, defined? In the acceptable will, the old man is abolished. He will never, um, he will not have any more authority over you. But you hear continually its cry, but it's they couldn't draw near all night because of the cloud. Let us take a look at this acceptable will of God. Because in the powers of the acceptable will, we are going to be able to reign over the old man. I will remind you that to acceptable in relation to the will of God that defines the goals of God means uh, pleasing and acceptable to God, attracting or drawing the attention of God meets the requirements of God's established order, blameless in the sight of God, coming at the time dedicated by God, reaching a goal or striking a goal set by God, fulfilling the conditions set by God, drawing upon oneself the favor of God. And as we have noted, obviously, building this love and foundation in our heart, which gives us the ability to please God, becomes possible only after we are born of the Spirit and make with God a covenant of salt and baptism in the Holy Spirit. Because it is a covenant of salt that contains all of the conditions and instructions related to the powers of the acceptable will. And as always, let us remember that the functions contained in the powers of a good, acceptable, and perfect will can flow only upon the cooperation of man with God in the boundaries of this same acceptable will, the character of which is yielded by the name Simon the Canaanite. So continually we must sanctify ourselves, we must be vigilant so that we are separated from our, from our lusts. 
Поэтому здесь для каждой из сторон отведена своя роль, которая не может быть отменена. Here each of the sides are given their own role, which cannot be nullified or fulfilled by someone else. We're talking about God and man here. Man on his own cannot abolish his nature without the help of the Holy Spirit. There is the role of the Holy Spirit and there is the role of man. And so to cooperate with God in building in our heart the name Simon the Canaanite engraved on the 11th foundation of the wall of heavenly Jerusalem, it is necessary for us to study the functions contained in this name as well as the roles that God appointed for himself as well as for us. Considering the format of this sermon, I will limit myself to several, in my eyes, significant components in which cooperation with the acceptable will gives the children of God uh, the opportunity to fulfill the judgment of God and the boundaries of powers given to this acceptable will. Let us remember that to fulfill the judgments of God is to give a correct appraisal to the works of, works of God and the boundaries of the powers of this acceptable will. And only secondly, in the boundaries of that acceptable will to carry out a decree as retribution for good and evil. And so, first, the first component of the judgment of God in cooperation with the powers of acceptable will, which I'd like to focus our attention on, is the fact that it's one of the great mysteries of God that is called to be fulfilled through the dignity expressed in the state of babes. Let us read this place of scripture. This is in Luke chapter 10, verses 17 to 21. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice, because your names are written in heaven. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Luke chapter 10, verses 17 21. Considering the fact that the favor of God is turned to babes, it follows that these babes had somehow pleased God. But how and with what were these babes able to please God so that he stretched his golden scepter upon them in the dignity of his favor? First, it is worth paying attention to the fact that under the image of these babes, Jesus used his disciples, whose names are written in heaven. And therefore, in his teachings, Jesus discovered those characteristics that are inherent only to babes. Specifically, what are these characteristics? This is the authority to trample on the serpent and scorpion and all the power of the enemy so that they do no damage. There is a kind of image. You are going to hit him in the head and he's going to hit you in the foot. But there's also an image where he can't even hit you in the leg or the foot because you're going to trample on him and he isn't going to be able to, to go against you because you're, you will be armed. 
Let us read this place of scripture, Psalms chapter 8, verse 2. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. The enemy in this case are serpents, scorpions, and the whole power of evil. Whereas the avenger is the heavenly father who is impartial in his judgment. Satan is not an avenger. He has no right to do so. He has no capability to do so. He can avenge. Only God can avenge. Only he is the avenger who gives retribution for good and for evil. Therefore, the avenger is the Heavenly Father who is impartial in, impartial in his judgment. His vengeance falls upon anyone who encroaches on his holy things and violates his commandments. We need to know that the main enemy of the organized powers of darkness against God's chosen remnant are accusations, lies, and slander. How then do babies make the enemy silent or deprive them of the opportunity to accuse them and slander them? We have talked about this many times and will continue to talk about it in order to save the chosen ones from the condemnation in hell. The ability of babes to make the enemy silent is in the condition of their heart, which first, although they distinguish the voice of their parents from thousands of other voices, they are not adapted to accept defamatory information against their parents. They are unable to accept from other voices anything against their parents, any kind of information that is blemished. For them, their parents are the absolute authority and standard of beauty. Second, in their hearts, of infants, the genetic spiritual receiver of sin has not yet formed, which would catch and accept resentment and bitterness. Of course, all babes, as we know, or all babies, react to pain by screaming and crying. But with all this, they do not have resentment. They are incapable of doing so. It's not one of their properties. Um, they don't have the ability to do so. You know that when you had disciplined your children when they were little, they cry from pain and they stretch out their hands to you. They're not full of resentment at you, towards you. God wants to see us this way as well. When He disciplines us, so for us to not hold resentment, but stretch out our hands toward Him. Because what happens? From resentment, there is hatred and envy. If you remember the Greek word scandalon, from which the word resentment is translated in Greek means a temptation, a trap, or a net to catch prey. It's a very strong word. It, in fact, is the net of devil. It indicates the fact that resentment is one of the best traps and snares of the devil in which he traps the souls of people. The best kind of trap where millions of people find themselves in including God's chosen remnant. According to Jesus, Jesus in the last days, resentment will take on a threatening and all-encompassing scale that will cause great wars and destruction 
among a large number of believers. And then from among them it will spread to all the peoples of the earth and will lead them into great destruction, producing distrust and hatred between them. The people in their troubles and misfortunes will begin to blame each other take offense at each other and begin to betray each other. Matthew chapter 24 verses 9 through 13. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. And then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. He who is going to be able to not, uh, to not accept resentment, to be this infant, he will be saved. Blaming others for their misfortunes, the bearers of bitterness and resentment in their hearts, in fact, as we have mentioned, are the bearers of the second death, which soon, along with all of its bearers, will be thrown into the lake of fire. Therefore, I again and again say, be vigilant. Cast out resentment out of the limits of your heart. This is a snare and a trap that is going to lead you to perdition. Because resentment produces hatred that sheds blood. And everyone who hates his brother, Scripture says, is a murderer. Therefore, a kind heart, deprived of the capability of accepting and carrying resentment, represented in the image of a babe, makes the enemy silent, depriving him of the opportunity to use his destructive weapon in the subject of lies and slander. A good heart, a kind heart, does not react, does not pay attention to this. It is precisely because of these same characteristics that the Heavenly Father, as the Supreme Judge and Avenger for Blood, when He sees a heart that forgives offenses and refuses to wear its mortal bitterness, forgives our sins and does not arouse His judgment against us. So it is specifically the ability to forgive. That silences the avenger because he avenges for blood, for hatred, but you don't have any hatred. If a person sins, and he sins many times, other ways of sinning, but God does not send wrath because he is able to forgive. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. If you have anything against anyone, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. The sun, let it not rise on your set on your wrath. Do not lay down with, uh, with resentment because you might not wake up. I had paid attention to statistics that I found out about not too long ago that very many people, uh, 
the majority die not from some kind of illness or tragedy, but they die at night. All of a sudden, they lay down all healthy and they just don't wake up. They fall asleep and they don't wake up. They just disappear. Their spirit leaves them. So don't think that we are going to be able to forgive in the morning to cast out, cast this out. And Scripture says, before the setting of the sun, Lord, says Peter, on how many times shall we forgive our brother who sins against me? Do it seven times? He says, I don't, not seven times, but seven times seventy. Because it's for you, it's not in your best interest to carry this resentment. You should forgive and God will then deal with your offender. God is an avenger for his own blood. When a person repents of his sins but does not forgive his offenders, his hands are not cleansed of blood and his sins remain on him. As a result, he turns God against himself as the avenger for blood. And at this time, our ear, when we do have resentment, our ear is open to the voice of the devil. He paints for us a picture of vengeance. We have resentment where we think about what, how should I prove myself to him? And the devil constantly, constantly paints this picture for us. And we walk around angry. We don't see the bright sun. We don't hear the singing of birds or the green grass. We don't hear anything anymore. We don't live. We carry the second death. However, on its own, the state of a good heart cannot make the enemy and the avenger silent unless a person begins to build praise to God from this state. Because it is the praise to God that comes from a good heart that makes the enemy and the avenger silent. Silent means it condemns the sin. When we forgive our enemy, we condemn. As soon as we forgive, God begins to condemn them. That's why praise is the judgment of God. When we thank God in praise and when we forgive, God accepts our forgiveness as a sacrifice of praise. When we say, Lord, I forgive my offender. Please heal my wound, my emotions, my pain. God doesn't look at our emotion. He looks at our mind and our will. Unless the potential for good that is contained in the good heart is not revealed in praise to God, we will never silence the enemy in the avenger. To please God, it is necessary to offer God a sacrifice of praise for who God is to us and what God has done for us. God brought us freedom and healing from sin and taught us to forgive personal grievances because of which the sin of the cherubim arose who turned himself into an enemy of God. Forgiveness is not an act of her emotions. Forgiveness is an act of a conscience and a volitional, deci volitional decision of the heart confessed by the lips when we pray or stand in prayer. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him 
that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And I, I read this and read this scripture again for us so that we could become other people. You are going to begin to be a light. You are going to begin to shine from inside and from outside. And this light will be judgment to your enemies because it's going to begin to judge them, not, not your resentment that will do that. If you are able to forgive offenders in this way, then this indicates that you have pleased God therefore you will cooperate with the acceptable will of God and abide in the acceptable will of God the second component of the judgment of God in cooperation with the power of the acceptable will is called to protect our life and the lives of our people from being struck by the sword when I say, or the Word of God talks about our people, we are talking about the Church of God and not your nationality. Because in Christ Jesus, there are no peoples, nations, all of us are one in Christ Jesus. But if there is danger to us, Satan is unable to get close to us. If he tries to kill us, he needs to kill the whole nation. You know, if someone had ever seen in order for when lions or hyenas or tigers, when they chase the, the, the flock, they can't take an animal and a flock. They need the animal to to uh, be separated from, from the main flock. And when a certain animal thinks that I need to step away from this flock because it seems like the danger is too great. And as soon as the animal steps away and begins to go, he is surrounded alone. And this is the end of this animal. Some people say, I will go to church for a little while. I have too much resentment. I'm going to fast and pray on my own. Be careful. Be careful. Go into the church. Only there can you be saved. Let us read the place of scripture that I want to offer. This is as an image and it's familiar to us. Esther chapter 7 verse 3. Then Queen Esther answered and said, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, this is an answer uh, to King Artaxerxes' question. He says, what, what shall I give you? I will give you the kingdom. And she said to him, if I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. You know what happened? Amen an image of the old nature, our soul, our, our own souls. He had announced the old, the new man to death. He says, either me or him. And he was the first prince, the first 
Prince in the eyes of the king. Because when God, as we have talked about, when God saves us, he saves the spirit, soul, and body. A spirit is reborn, only spirit is a new creation. Our soul and our body remain in their former state. And then the soul, according to its nature, having this genetic of sin that has been received by the Father, it begins to challenge the spirit and condemns the spirit to death, but the soul also has access to God, and then the spirit goes towards God and turns to, for help, for him to help be delivered from the soul, and he says, my life and the life of my people are in danger, because he did not know who the queen was. He hated her teacher, he hated the word of God in the face of Mordecai. And thus, she turned to the king with this kind of request. Therefore, the preservation of our life and the life of our people, of which we are a part, and the powers of the acceptable will, was expressed in the condemnation to death of the one who doomed us and our people to death. Therefore, a person who meets the requirements of the acceptable will of God is a person, first of all, who meets the requirements of blamelessness before God or the requirements of the good will. So why give Esther the opportunity to speak to the king? If you remember, Esther gave the opportunity to speak to the... It was not the acceptable will, but the good will that gave her the opportunity. She had pleased God in the fact that she went and she came in with the good will standing on the eastern side. She presented to the king who she is for him. She entered into the courts of the king. It was prohibited to enter there. When Mordecai said, go to the king, ask him. Because we are sentenced. She said, I have been called for a whole month and you know the law. Each person who dares to enter into the inner courts of the king if the king has not called him, death be to him. An exception is if the king stretches out his scepter toward the one whom he did not call, she stretches out the scepter. And of course, three days and three nights, the, all the people, they had fasted in Esther as well along with her servants. This is an image of the goodwill in which we, the redemption through the death of Christ, receive justification as a gift of grace. He did not call her, but she entered, having not been called. And he stood and his face was angry. How? Who dared to come? I didn't call her. But when she saw that this was Queen Esther, his anger had dissipated and turned into mercy. And he had stretched out the golden scepter and said, What, Esther, should be given to you? And she says, I want to invite the king to the feast. And the first day, she didn't tell him anything. On the next day, 
And she didn't say anything, only on the third day did she say that her life is in danger and the life of her people. And in this case, we observe how a person, during an alarming trumpet sound, announcing the approaching danger in the face of his old man, in order to please God in condemning his old beginning to death, uses for this purpose the camps standing toward the east, that is, the powers of the goodwill. And therefore, our blamelessness in the fulfillment of lawful and just courts, like Esther in due time, will directly depend on these following things. Her it said that she, having been a queen, continued to listen to Mordecai just the same. She listened to him in every way, just as she had done previously. Everything that he would say for her, this was law. And therefore, this will directly depend on from what or whom we will listen, from where or at whom we will look, from the level of responsibility that we will be endowed with, from the potential of faith that we will have in our hearts, and from the kind of confession that we will confess. The level of faith depends on the level of birth and the level of the will that we are found in, as well as that kind of, con a kind of confession that we will confess. The third component of the judgment of God in cooperation with the power of the acceptable will is called to, before our revocation to God, give us evidence that we have pleased God. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 through 6. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of, of those who diligently seek him. So before Enoch had entered into the perfect will and was raptured in this perfect will, he pleased God. How did he please God? Scripture says, Enoch walked before God. And this means that Enoch walked by faith and not by vision. We walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5.7 So not what we feel, not what we see, not what we hear in the physical world, because faith is from hearing the word of God. We walk in that we hear in our heart from God. This is the word of God, the preached word. If we walk, look and are affirmed in this, then we are going to be able to please God. A testimony that Enoch received that he pleased God and that we are called to receive before our relocation to God is that God will establish us as kings over our calling. When we came to him, he anointed us as, as kings over ourselves. He anoints us as kings when we come to him in the goodwill. But in the goodwill, he will affirm us as kings, and this is what this evidence is contained in. How will this look like? Second Kings, or Samuel, chapter 5, verse 11 to 12. This is so that we know what kind of evidence that we, I must have, or we must have in our heart, that I have pleased God, that this will be a guarantee that I am going to be raptured. 
He and Hiram, king of Tyr, sent messages to David and cedar trees and carpenters and masons, and they built David a house. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel, and he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. He was already anointed as king, but here he understood that God had established him. Do you remember Saul, whom God did not affirm as king? Samuel came and said to him, If you were to have heard me in this, and fulfilled what I have told you, and if you had destroyed Amalek, then God would have established you as king. But your kingdom is taken away from you and will give it to somebody else who is better than you. Somebody else will take his name, which he had carried. He had lost his name. The name remained, but he had lost it. And this name was taken by David, the name of a king. And here it is said that he understood that the Lord established him as king and he exalted his kingdom for his people Israel. Cedar trees. Cedar is an image of righteousness. The masons and the carpenters that had built David's home. When you understand when you truly understand that you don't need to earn righteousness, you don't need to earn it, that this is a gift of God. Who will do this? said, Hiram, the king of Tyr, he sent messengers to David. This is an image of the Holy Spirit. And these messengers are messengers of God who preach the teaching regarding justification about redemption, whom, that which must be accepted as a gift and confessed. And here it said that they had built a house because our house in which we live must be a house of righteousness. We must not think of ourselves that we are unworthy, that we are sinful. We must stop praying, Lord, I am sinful, Lord, I am a sinner, Lord, I am unworthy, Lord, I am no good. You can't please God in this manner. Why do you You know information that God has justified you, that you have exceeded justification as a gift of grace, and why are you praying this way? This means that you haven't accepted this righteousness in your heart. It is in your mind, you speak it as a slogan, but it's not in your heart. But when it comes into your heart, then, despite the fact that you might have done something incorrectly or fallen, tripped, it says, the righteous will fall seven times, but get up, he remains righteous even when he falls. And when devil says to him, that's it, you have sinned, you are unrighteous, you will say to him, depart from me, you animal. I am righteous in Christ Jesus. This righteousness is a gift of God, not mine. Yes, I have fallen, but I will get up. Because I am righteous. Righteous are able to stand up upon them in their fall. They're able to ask for forgiveness and acknowledge their guilt. They're able to repent. Considering the fact that our time has come to a conclusion, let us bend our knees, bow our heads, and pray. We are going to uh, participate in what is hallowed unto God that is beyond the limits of our of our comprehension, but which contains righteousness in which we accept justification or redemption through which our justification can come. All of those who desire to challenge their resentment, do not, you are strong, you are justified, you are children of God. Don't 
say you will against yourselves don't say that i am weak i am unworthy you don't have a right to say that you are a child of god oh, who cares that you fell who cares that you sinned get up and thank god for righteousness and say like job i will not let go of my righteousness i will not give it away amen let us pray all those who desire to challenge illness, fear, dependence on sin. Elisha, in the face of the Holy Spirit, is in this place so that along with you, he can stretch out over those promises that had died for you, but which God has placed on your accounts. He will resurrect them. We will pray along with you. This is a special moment for the heavens. When God views, that God views, these are for those who are born of the Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. I will pray along with you, and I ask you to deeply believe that God is for you. He is not against you. He is resurrection and life. He has resurrected. And in this resurrection, He is able to resurrect your promises. And with the power of this resurrection, He is able to breathe in you new strengths and renew you. Your eyes closed, your hands raised to the heavens. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you my pain, my loss, my shame. Hear me. Have mercy on me. Let go of my sins. Wash me in the blood of your Son. I believe in your word. I accept this seed into my heart. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that according to your word, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, I am saved. Amen. Amen. Your sins and transgressions are forgiven in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May He come down upon you with His holy countenance and have mercy upon you, may He give you peace. May around you fall tens and thousands and not draw near you. May all of these things and blessings, healing, freedom come upon you and upon your descendants and may be fulfilled upon you. And let the people say, Amen. Его веленье возвещать и мощь Его креста. А теперь я попрошу всех встать, и мы who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.